Chapter 1, Part 5 of Commentary in the Gospel of John, Book 9, by Cyril of Alexandria, translated by Rev. Thomas Randall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 20. In that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. The meaning of the passage before us is somewhat hard to reach, and, as it were, demands that the inquiry applied to it be keen, and imposes very considerable delay on our discourse. Howbeit we believe that Christ will once more direct us into truth. Now some, albeit among the number of those once supposed among the impious heretics to be of eminence, refusing malignantly to confess that the Son is of the essence of God the Father, and is therefore in him, conceive that the union is an accidental one, and not one of nature. And in fact they have written, belching forth thereby what proceeds from their own minds, not from the Holy Spirit, that, forasmuch as the Son is loved by the Father, and himself loves the Father in return, it is after this sort that he is in him. And these demented men bring as a proof hard to overthrow the words attached to the clause before us, to wit concerning us and him, and indeed they say, resting with all their blasphemies on the staff of a reed, that as we are said to be in him, and have him and ourselves, and are not united to him in the matter of our essence, but the manner of the union is determined by our capacity to love and be loved in return so the son also one of them would say is not at all within the essence of god the father but being wholly distinct in the matter of his nature and being quite differently characterized is understood to be in the father solely by virtue of the law of love for it is their aim as we said just now to show that the only begotten is an effect and a creature and produced and honoured merely with his preeminence over the rest of the creatures notwithstanding he is external to the essence of god the father but forasmuch as concerning this we have already spoken at length a saying thereby to show to the best of our power that the son is by nature in the father and that the union which he has with him is substantial we will forbear further for the present to extend our remarks touching this subject howbeit we will not wholly leave as it were the ground of the argument clear for our opponents to overrun but will set the battle in array against them in a few words exhibiting so far as possible at once the mischief and the ignorance of their wicked and loathsome artifice and particularly we will say if it is solely by reason that he is loved and loves that the son is in the father and if by the same law we are in him and he in us and no different bond of union is discernible whether we consider that which binds the son to the father or us to him and him to us in what sense or on what principle i pray you does he say that it is in that day we shall know the mystery of this for seemingly we do not yet know that the father loves the son and the son also loves the father nor i suppose do we yet know our own condition but a vain calculation mocks us when we think that the son loved us and for this cause won us unto the father and that we also loved him 
For when he says, In that day ye shall know, he shows that the time of the knowledge is not yet present. Then, why did the Lord all in vain make our ears ring with his words, The Father loveth the Son? For that he himself loves the Father, who will deny? And how, I pray you, said he also that his choosing to suffer in our behalf was a clear proof of his love to usward? For greater love hath no man than this, he says, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And why did he manifestly seek for love from us towards himself, and that for this cause we should be eager to fulfill his good pleasure? For he that loveth me, he says, will keep my commandments. For when shall we keep the divine commandment, if at the present we make no account thereof? For as much then as it is fit we believe that the Son loves the Father, and loves us and is beloved by us how is it not consistent to conceive that the son has purpose to signify something diverse from this and not to define the manner of the union by the law of love or rather that he has manifestly introduced it to us after some different sort when he says in that day ye shall know that i am in the father and ye in me and i in you but peradventure the opponent will answer that before the passion christ said such things as these to us to wit that he loves the father and is loved again by the father and he loves us also and we him but that after the passion and the revival from the dead when we saw that he burst the bonds of death we learned that he is in the father forasmuch as also he is loved and for this cause rose from the dead for this cause also he is in us and we in him according to the same law of love but we reply your opposition is exceeding idle and wholly without understanding and a tissue of rotten words but excellent sirs consider once more that what we knew of a truth before the resurrection from the dead there was no need to learn after the resurrection for if it was only imperfectly that we believed that the son is loved of his own father and himself loves the father it was indeed necessary to await the resurrection with intent we might therefrom have the perfection of knowledge but if the father is worthy of belief when he says even before the resurrection he is my beloved son and if the saviour himself also speaks true when he says the father loveth the son and if the law of love is fittingly to be conceived in its entire perfection why do ye foolishly strike at us with hard words and why thrusting aside the beauty of the truth do ye fashion you an unsightly lie dragging outside of the father's essence the son that is of him and through him and withal inventing right rotten words, and contriving tricks of absurd argumentation. For that the only begotten loved us, and that we also loved him, will be open to any one to see with utmost readiness, so he be willing to regard intently the nature of the truth. For being in the form of God the Father, he counted it not a prize to be on an equality with God, 
but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Then what, I pray you, was the ground of such actions? Was it not the law of love towards us? And how is it possible to doubt? And our willingness, too, on behalf of Christ, and readiness to abandon our very life to the persecutors, that we may not deny our own Lord, will it not supply proof to demonstration of our love to him? But a man will also say that this either is entirely true, or will condemn the holy martyrs as having wrought a desperate struggle for Christ for no useful end, and endured so grievous a danger all unrecompensed. So then, whereas it is proved with all clearness that the Father has towards the Son love in perfection, and that in like sort also he loves the Father, and we him, and he us. What reason could there be in supposing that the discernment thereof is referred perchance to other times, when the Lord says, In that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. For away with their idle talkings, and the pretentiousness of their God-hating speculations, but we waxing bold in the consciousness of bearing the torch of the spirit will not hesitate to say what seems to be right with intent to clear up the questions at issue so then having said above because i live ye shall live also straightway he is found to have added in that day ye shall know that i am in my father and ye in me and i in you then to what man upright and want to think rightly would it not be abundantly clear that he limits a day the time to wit of the knowledge hereof upon which we ourselves also renovated after his likeness shall ascend unto eternal life escaping from the curse of death and something after this sort the christ-bearer seems to me to indicate i mean paul when revealing to us the divine mystery he writes to some for ye died and your life is hid with christ in god when then christ which is your life shall appear then shall ye also appear with him in glory for he shall transform the body of our humiliation this body assuredly and not a diverse to be conformable unto his glory and shall transmute the nature of man unto the ancient type with power unspeakable, changing all things easily unto whatsoever he will, none forbidding. For he is very God that maketh all things and changeth the fashion of them, as it is written. So then, at that day, or time, when ye also yourselves shall live, for I do live, albeit made man like unto you and clad with the body which as touching its proper nature is subject to corruption ye shall recognize clearly he says that i am in the father and ye in me and i in you and we shall be disposed to think that the lord said this unto us not with intent we might suppose that he is in the father according to the law of love as indeed our opponents thought fit to believe but according to the power of a deep mystery which is also both difficult to conceive and hard to utter howbeit i will assay how i may be able to expound it
now i hold that the mind of any man on earth is very far from equal to the accurate exposition hereof notwithstanding in the fervour of love albeit with powers of sight and utterance but little whetted let us now consider the aim of the incarnation of the only begotten let us i pray you examine the cause wherefore being as god in the form of god the father he counted it not a prize to be on an equality with god but emptied himself taking the form of a servant and endured the cross despising the shame for in this way the depth of the mysteries before us will be manifest so far as is possible howbeit hardly so but we shall learn how the son is in the father naturally that is and not by virtue of the relation of being loved and loving as invented by our opponents and we again in him after the same sort and he in us well then one cause the wise paul expounded was a true and most general cause of the incarnation of the only begotten when he said for god the father was pleased to gather together in one all things in christ and gathering in one both the name and the thing plainly involves the bringing back again and resumption of the things that have digressed to an unconformable end unto what they were in the beginning then desiring to put before us in a clear light the methods of the gathering in detail at one time he said for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh god sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the ordinance of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit and at another again since then the children are sharers in flesh and blood he also himself in like manner partook of the same that through death he might bring to naught him that had the power of death that is the devil and might deliver all them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage and herein we have two methods of the gathering together which paul expounded the doctrine of the incarnation of the only begotten as of necessity involving but a further method inclusive of the others was set forth by the wise evangelist john for he writes thus touching christ he came unto his own and they that were his own received him not but as many as received him to them gave he the right to become children of god even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of god so then it is abundantly evident and manifest i conceive unto all that it was for these causes especially that being by nature god and of god the only begotten has become man namely with intent to condemn sin in the flesh and by his own death to slay death and to make us sons of god regenerating in the spirit them that are on earth unto supernatural dignity 
for it was i trow exceeding good after this sort to gather together again into one and to recover unto the ancient estate the sore stumbled race to it the human again let us set each of the causes just given side by side with the lord's saying and thereupon make such remarks that seem fit for we must inquire in what sense it may be seemly to conceive that god the father condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in likeness of sinful flesh for albeit the son were by nature god and had shone forth from his essence and possessed naturally the immutability of his proper being and for this cause in no wise could stumble into sin or turn aside any whither into what is not right the father caused him voluntarily to descend into the flesh that is subject to sin with intent that making very flesh his own he might bring it over unto his own natural property to it sinlessness for i conceive we shall not be right in believing that it was with intent to effect this for the temple of his own body alone that the only begotten has been made man for where were the glory and profit of his advent unto us to be seen if he accomplished the salvation of his own body alone but we believe rather that it was to secure the benefits for all nature through himself and in himself first as in the first-fruits of humanity that the only begotten has become like us for like as we have followed after not only death but all the sufferings of the flesh undergoing this suffering in the first man by reason as well of the transgression as of the divine curse after the same sort i conceive shall we all of us follow christ as he saves in many ways and sanctifies the nature of the flesh in himself wherefore also paul said and as we love the image of the earthy we shall bear also the image of the heavenly for the image of the earthy to wit of adam is to be in sufferings and corruption and the image of the heavenly to wit of christ is to be in impassibility and in corruption so then the word being god by nature condemned sin in his own flesh by charging it to cease its activity or rather so amending it as that it should move after the good pleasure of god and no longer at its own will and so whereas the body was natural he made it spiritual this then is one method of the gathering together but the method that is most befitting and appropriate to the drift of the passage before us shall follow it and it will be our task to speak touching eternal life and the slaying of death and how the only begotten removed from human nature the corruption that came of the transgression therefore forasmuch as the children are partakers of blood and flesh he also in like manner took part in the same with intent to slay death and that he that created all things unto immortality and made the generations of the world healthful according as it is written might remould once more the fashion of things unto their ancient estate and once again albeit my argument be more minute than behoves yet as it needs must it shall proceed setting forth the ancient condition of our estate
for i conceive the sincere purpose to grasp the meaning of the words before us will wholly escape the dangers that come of mere loitering so then this rational creature upon earth i mean man was made from the beginning after the image of him that created him according to the scriptures and the meaning of image is various for an image may be not after one sort but after many howbeit the element of the likeness to god that made him which is far the most manifest of all was his incorruptibility and his indestructibility but never i conceive would the creature have been sufficient unto himself to be so merely by virtue of the law of his own nature for how could he that is of the earth in his own nature have been shown to possess the glory of incorruption unless it were from the god that is by nature both incorruptible and indestructible and ever the same that he was enriched with this boon in like manner as with all others for what hast thou that thou didst not receive saith somewhere unto us the inspired paul with exceeding reason and truth with intent then that what was once brought into being out of that which is not might not by sinking back to its own original once more vanish into nothing but rather be preserved evermore for this was the aim of him that created it god makes it partaker of his own nature for he breathed into his face the breath of life that is to say the spirit of the son for he is himself the life with the father holding all things together in being for the things that are receptive of life both move in him and live according to the words of paul and let none of us found hereupon any words of false teaching by supposing that we said that the divine inbreathing has become a soul unto the living creature for this we deny guided unto the truth of the matter by such reasoning as this if any suppose that the divine inbreathing became a soul let him tell us whether it was turned aside from its own nature and has been made into a soul or has it remained in its own identity for if they say it has been on any wise changed and that it traversed the law of its own nature they will be convicted of blasphemy for they will say that the immutable and ever unchanging nature is altogether mutable whereas if it was in no wise turned aside but has ever remained what it always was after coming forth from god to wit his inbreathing how did it deflect unto sin and become susceptible of so great diversity of passions for i trow they would not say that there is in any wise in the divine nature the possibility of transgression but to get over the words due to the subject before us without using lengthy proofs i say we must repeat this once again and say that no one i imagine rightly minded would suppose that the breath which proceeded from the divine essence became the creature's soul but that after the creature was ensouled or rather had attained unto the propriety of its perfect nature by means of both soul and body to wit 
then like a stamp of his own nature the creator impressed on it the holy spirit that is to say the breath of life whereby it became moulded unto the archetypal beauty and completed after the image of him that created it enabled unto every form of excellence by virtue of the spirit given to dwell in it but whereas being free of will and entrusted with the reins of its own purposes for this also is an element in the image forasmuch as god has power over his own purposes it turned and has fallen but how this came to pass the holy scripture must teach you for the account of it therein is plain god the father both determined and took in hand to gather together once more in christ the nature of man unto its ancient estate and willing it accomplished it withal so then it naturally follows that we should observe how it has come to pass it was not otherwise possible for man forasmuch as he was of a nature that was perishing to escape death save by recovering that ancient grace and partaking once more in god who holdeth all things together in being and preserveth them in life through the son in the spirit therefore he hath become partaker of blood and flesh that is to say he hath become man being by nature life and begotten of the life that is by nature that is to say of god the father to wit his only begotten word with intent that ineffably and inexpressibly and as he alone could skill to do uniting himself with the flesh that by the law of its own nature was perishing he might bring it back unto his own life and make it through himself partaker of god the father for he is mediator between god and men according as it is written knit unto god the father naturally as god and of him and again unto men as man and withal having in himself the father and being himself in the father for he is the impress and effulgence of his person and not distinct from the essence whereof he is impress and wherefrom he proceeds as effulgence but both being himself in it and having it in himself and again having us in himself according as he wears our nature and our body has become entitled the body of the word for the word was made flesh according to the utterance of john and he wears our nature remoulding it unto his own life and he is also himself in us for we have all been made partakers of him and have him in ourselves through the spirit for for this cause we have both being made partakers of the divine nature and are entitled sons after this sort having in us also the father himself through the son and paul will testify hereof where he says because ye are sons god sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying abba father for his spirit is not something diverse from the son i mean as touching the law of identity to it identity of nature 
this being the result of the progress of our discourse of these things let us now take the meaning of what has been set forth and adapt it to the interpretation of our saviour's words for in that day ye shall know he says that i am in the father and ye in me and i in you for i live myself he says for i am life by nature and have shown the temple of my own body alive but when ye also yourselves albeit ye are of a corruptible nature shall behold yourselves living in like manner as i do then indeed ye shall know exceeding clearly that i being life by nature did knit you through myself unto god the father who is also himself by nature life making you partakers as it were and sharers in his incorruption for naturally am i in the father for i am the fruit of his essence and its real offspring subsisting in it having shown forth from it life of life and ye are in me and i in you forasmuch as i appeared as a man myself and made you partakers of the divine nature by putting my spirit to dwell in you for christ is in us through the spirit converting that which has a natural tendency to corruption into incorruption and transferring it from the condition of dying unto that which is otherwise wherefore also paul says that he that raised jesus christ from the dead shall quicken also your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwelleth in you for albeit the holy spirit proceeds from the father yet he comes through the son and is his own for all things are through the son from the father for that it was through the spirit we were wrought anew unto eternal life the divine psalmist will bear us record when he cries as unto the god of all when thou openest thine hand all things shall be filled with goodness when thou turnest away thy face they shall be troubled thou shalt take away their breath and they shall fail and shall turn again to their dust thou shalt send forth thy spirit and they shall be made and thou shalt renew the face of the earth hearest thou how the transgression that was in adam and the turning away as it were from the divine precepts sore troubled the nature of man and made it return to its own earth but when god sent forth his spirit and made us partakers of his own nature and through him renewed the face of the earth we were transfigured unto newness of life casting off the corruption that comes of sin and once more grasping eternal life through the grace and love towards mankind of our lord jesus christ through whom and with whom unto god the father be glory with the holy spirit unto the ages amen end of chapter one End of Commentary in the Gospel of John, Book 9, by Cyril of Alexandria. Translated by Rev. Thomas Randall.